Hello, and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Adam Mackey, and joining me as always is Morley Kurt. Yo. And Grant Alexander. Hello. Hey, boys. I feel like it's been ages since we talked, but it's been like not even a week. It's been longer for me. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, for some reason, first on the list, so I'm going to talk about myself for a bit. Uh-huh. I started building a deck yesterday. Um Built the frame and everything, and then next week we're going to buy all the decking and build that. But I'm not making a video on it because um, I personally just don't think that I'm the right person to be putting out a video on how to make a deck. I'm just winging it, if that makes sense. Oh, you guys, have, you have the perfect accent to make a deck. <laughs> I'm not from New Zealand. You guys say it the same way. No, so we when don't. you posted that on your, when you post that on your story, I 100 percent thought it was like a wall. I thought you yep, were building that's why like I a did it. workshop on your yeah. property or something. So the way so the way you would normally make a deck is you put down your foundation, put your feet, like your legs, and then build the frame around that. I built the frame in a different spot so that I could get to like the sides of everything rather than having to toe screw everything together and then lifted it up and moved it into where it has to go. So when I lifted it up, I'm like, this would be perfect. People are going to think it's a wall. Mm. But, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so excited to finish that next week. Uh, yesterday, I recorded with the boys from Because We Make. So I'm finally a ho- uh, host, <laughs> finally a guest on their episodes, which is uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, I was, I was pretty anxious because, like, I'm not used to people asking me questions. Like, so, yeah, but it went really right. well. So I'm excited. It, yeah. Just just to go back for to the deck for a hot sec. Um, so I know you rent that house. How does that work that you're you're building a yeah. deck there? So the deck isn't attached. Um, it's just floating. The feet are just going to be sitting on the ground on pavers as opposed to being concreted in place. And that's another reason why I didn't want to make a video on it because I know a lot of people are going to call me out and say, that you can't have a deck like that. It needs to be bolted down. Gotcha. Yeah. So. It's kind of funny that your landlord got mad in the past when you planted a garden, but building a deck is fine. <laughs> well, they don't know. And <laughs> if they say anything, eventually. like it's removable. Like it's, right, it's not, right. it's not a permanent fixture. Um, yeah. Laws have changed here since that happened as well, that we can do anything to the house as long as, as it's reversible. Interesting. So like, okay. Yeah. So we're allowed to like paint walls and stuff as long as we can reverse it. Nice. Before we move out. Yeah. So that. Um, yeah, recorded because we make, I got my vaccine on Saturday that just went past. Yeah. So four days ago, um, stopped into Bunnings on the way home to get some wood for my CNC for when it arrives. And turns out someone was there at the same time with a confirmed case. Oh, okay. So you got your contact tracing app pinged you? Um, no, they just, they put up on like Facebook, like this is what time the guy was at these places. And if you were there- To get tested instantly, like as soon as possible, and self-isolate. Got my negative result yesterday, so I'm good to go. But hey. it was a bit of a scare. Like I was more scared of that than when I was actually sick because I knew I had been near someone. But yeah, like just chances. The day I get the vaccine, I also get a contact trace. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, um, what else? I I've been. I haven't really talked about it much. I just put a story on Instagram, but I've been feeling really down lately because I've really lost my passion for fitness and stuff since COVID started. I mean, given that we couldn't go to the gym and stuff, 
sort of lost the drive. But I signed up for a marathon, which I have started today. Um, I signed up for it about a week ago, but it's so it's 42 kilometers, but it's in your own time. So you can oh. split it up over. So the it's called the Conqueror Challenge, and it's I think you can set between one to eighteen months to do the to do the whole thing. So like, there's some out there that are uh, one thousand kilometers. So like, I mean, you'd split that over a year probably. I don't know, but so for me, forty two k's. I'm planning on doing three and a half a day because that's like the route that I do. So about fifteen days, and I'll have it done. Um. And then you get a real medal at the end, like they ship it to you. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a guy I know in Ottawa here, Wayne Nee. He's on uh, Instagram. He's also a woodworker. And uh, he was doing some sort of weird challenge where he would run and record it. And they were trying to, like, because of COVID, and he was trying to, like, break a record for the most, like, run in, like, Ontario or something. Like, it was insane, he said. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, he was like on his like the, he shared with how much he he went and it was insanity to me. Yeah, um, he was talking when I did my like camping trip, uh, solo camping trip. He was like, "Yeah, I do like trail running and stuff." And but it's been hard. The whole COVID shut everything down, so he was just doing it around Ottawa. And yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, this is really cool. Like in the app, it like because there's all different marathons you can do the one i'm doing is road to athens oh cool sorry i need to cough um and on the app it actually has like you going through athens mm. and you can actually go into street view and see like where you've run what like tourist attractions you've gone past every 20 percent that you complete they plant a tree they're up to like over 3 million trees now or something like that or 33 million maybe um which is pretty insane and mm. yeah so it's been pretty cool mm. Is it free? Um, no. Well, I think you can do it for free if you don't want the medal. Okay. But they like it cost me. It cost me forty dollars Australian. It was like twenty five dollars US or something. You get the medal, but that also pays for the shipping as well. So, hmm. cool. Yeah. And the so, pay, pays for planting trees and tracking the app and stuff like that. I guess so. Yeah. So I don't think I've uh, told this story on the podcast, but uh, when I was working at the lodge in the Rockies. I read Born to Run. Uh, the book got, got really famous like 10 or so years ago about uh, this tribe in Mexico. And like they're these like the most amazing ultra marathon runners in the world. And also like the physiology of running and the history of shoes. And uh, it was a very popular book. And like most people who read it after I finished it, I really wanted to try barefoot running. And I was living in the perfect place for it because there's trails everywhere. Um, which is much better than pavement, obviously. So I started just taking short little runs around the lake barefoot um, and then tried to start going on hikes barefoot um, and eventually worked my way up to kind of like going for about an hour and a half trail run, like super slow, but like uh, just wanted to like see how far I could go. It was, it was really great. And like when you're running at that high altitude, you just like, you feel amazing. Um, but when I got back, the day after like walking the bottom of my feet was so painful. Not, not like a, like a sharp stabbing pain or anything, but you know, like that, that sort of just like calloused pain where like the skin is just a little worn and a little, mm -hmm. a little too much impact of stones and such. So it was just like the bottom of my feet were super sensitive for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, but that was, 
definitely a treat that I was able to live somewhere where I could just kind of freely barefoot run. And then when I moved back to Toronto, I wanted to keep doing it, but it was so difficult because like I would have to bike or drive to the local ravine system and try to run along the grass next to the ravine. So yeah, being in a place where you can have access to trails is so great for running. I, I was actually pretty amazed. Like, so I started the challenge this morning, the marathon, um, Kevin, I signed up a week ago. It took me that long to get motivated. Um, but I haven't walked or run in well over a year and I could actually run further than I used to be able to like over a year ago. Wow. And I felt really good about that. But my goal is by the end of the year, not, not this marathon, by the end of the year to be able to run the whole three and a half Ks. That's sick. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Molly? What have you been working on? Well, this week I decided to start getting to work on a project, which I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, and that is another fountain build. Um, so back near the beginning of my YouTube making journey under my loft bed in Montreal, I made a concrete fountain. And ever since then I've wanted to make, uh, another one. And I've gone through a lot of different design ideas. Um, and there's this spot in our apartment, which I've been kind of staring at for a while, thinking about what I want to put there. And um, I realized that this fountain would be a really cool thing to put there. So um, I don't want to like talk about the design too much. It's a bit still in the conceptual stage, but it's going to be largely made out of plywood rather than concrete this time. Um, so I've been researching sealing and waterproofing plywood and... Um, I want to try to get the the trickling sound of the water a lot more dialed in on this one than the last one. Because that was one of the goals of the first fountain I made. But the water running was like so gentle that it was almost inaudible. So I, I, I bought a more powerful pump for this one. It's going to have more drops. Um, so hopefully it will be a bit more of like a white noise generator. Um, That's fun. Yeah, Where did I have you get to, the pump? Just at Home Depot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In the uh, garden section, in the outdoor kind of like plant section, there's a little fountain section. There's a little pump section. I was just going to buy them on Amazon, but it's it's such a crapshoot when you're getting like cheap plastic whatever on Amazon that are normally more expensive. And there's like such a wide range of reviews. Um, this one yeah. seemed a little more reliable. Um, cool. And you can always return it easily. Like Yeah. Although I've like, since unboxed it. So I don't know how – I've never tried to return something – that I bought in blister packaging from Home Depot. Uh, I'm assuming they wouldn't be as like happy about that as they would. For they, <laughs> don't know, they should return it. They'll just put it in the clearance. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope I don't have to return it because uh, it seems pretty perfect for what I'm using it for. So hopefully I can uh, find some time this weekend to go to the lumber yard, pick up some plywood and get building on that. I also want to go collect some rocks around uh, my neighborhood i was i was at home depot and i was like oh should i buy some rocks and it, it just all of a sudden seems so silly i was like no i'm gonna collect rocks <laughs> with like well, a handful of rocks that i need for this small project so uh i'm sure you've seen it but uh mary lou made a plywood sink okay i haven't seen probably, that no i've seen laura comps okay. plywood sink yeah so mary Lou's is more like like i think she power carved uh design so you should definitely check uh, you know, chat with Mary Lou about it because awesome. I think it was a really cool uh, plywood like sealed 
I think she used epoxy resin to seal it. Yeah. Like without diving too deep into the technical rabbit hole, I'm trying to avoid using epoxy. I think for this, it's not totally necessary. I'm going to, so I'll, I'll give you my basic game plan and you can tear me apart if you think this is a terrible idea. So my plan is to, uh, attach the plywood pieces with gorilla glue and screws. Cause gorilla glue is waterproof. Sure. Uh, coat it in exterior polyurethane, probably like four or five coats and then seal the inside seams with silicone caulk. And my feeling is that that'll be sufficient, especially since it won't be in direct sunlight. Um, and exterior polyurethane is essentially plastic. So that sounds to me like it'll be pretty good. What do you guys think? It, it very much might be, but you know <laughs> what? Give it a shot. Yeah. And we'll then see. get fl- flamed in the comments, I'm sure. And then a year later, admit defeat and try again. There you go. Actually, yeah, I don't rather than spend $150 on some spar urethane that's going to smell and uh, take three days to dry, I feel like this is the route I'm going to go. Yeah, I think epoxy, like if you had some leftover epoxy from that other build, then I would suggest that. Yeah, that's definitely an option. Um, it's so just thick that I just feel like coating it is going to be really messy and annoying. <laughs> it, it, definitely, it definitely would be. The only reason why I'd, I'd suggest that over the like the like water-based polyurethane or even if it's outdoor one is that it's not made for constant water to be running on it Mm -hmm. and the whole thickness of epoxy allows it's just like the degradation of rocks with water you know going on them all day long they eventually Mm. just degrade um but you're also a maker and you're not going to want that. Like you're the type of person who's like in a year from now, if it's broken, you'll be like, I learned some valuable lessons. So I don't want to dissuade you from doing it. Anything. If it yeah, doesn't no, that's work an interesting a year from point. now, like who cares? Yeah. I didn't think about the toughness of it. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I will definitely take that into account. Maybe I'll see how, see if I can spare a bit of epoxy for it as well. Um, right now. Coat some plywood scraps in the polyurethane and put it in your sink, right, for a couple of days with just water dripping on it like a fountain, and and then report back next See week. How it looks. I don't know if I have that uh, that James Fingers experimental uh, woodworking commitment, but I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Grant, what have you been up to this week? Well, or two I weeks rather, been- since we didn't talk to you last week. Oh yeah, right. It's been That's why it feels like it's been so long. Yes. Well, first I want to say thank you to Dean for uh jumping in and taking over. My uh my mother was in town visiting from New Brunswick. Uh she lives about 12 hours drive away. So that's like two uh Englands for most people out there in the out there in the UK. Um <laughs> Yeah, so she was in town, and I totally – we normally record on a Wednesday night, and then for some reason we recorded on a Thursday night, and I didn't think about it until Thursday morning and went, oh, that's when my mother is coming. So thank you very much, Dean, for jumping in. Um, I've been obviously spending time with family, and uh, it's the first time she's visited in like a year and a half for some reason. I don't really understand why, but, uh, you know, other than – pandemic and battling cancer but anyway so i've been working on uh on the bowler of course the trailer is almost done um it is 
amazing the amount of little things at the end that you have to do that just take up time and design space in your head and stuff like that. Uh, but I will be before this video, uh, before the podcast comes out, I'm going to have the second Boulder video out. It's going to be adding an exterior access hatch. So Ooh. after I paint, I uh, cut the bowler up. So if you want to see me, uh, oh no, I cut the bowler up on this one. I do drill holes through it after I paint though, but I actually cut this one before I painted but I cut uh, a hole into the side of my trailer. So if you want to see that, there'll be a video link in the, in the show notes. Um, the other thing is I finally nice. finished my mystery maker collab, which I thought was in the room, but it's not. So you guys aren't going to get to see it. I have to mail it out this week and get it to the person. And then I can talk about it because I don't want to, uh, in case they listen and hear what it is. Um, yeah. That's the fun thing. Now, it took me a long time to finish this. It was one of those projects that kind of sat 90% done. Um, I have a really bad habit, and I do it at work as well. It's not just uh, making things, but at work, if I have a project, I'm really good at getting the first 80 to 90% of a project, like, really fast, done, boom. And I'm really, really, really bad at finishing the last 10%. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about and see, can you guys give me any advice? How do I get over the, the, the last 10% hump of a project? You know, it's like a Shia LaBeouf says. Same thing. Oh, we talked at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to finish what I said because it was quick. Sorry, I should have put it's my like hand Shia, down. It's like Shia LaBeouf says, you got to just do it. And it sounds stupid, but that's it most of the time. Okay. You you can't say that and not say it like him. Just do it. All right. (laughs) Anyway. Also not helpful. um, I do the same thing, so I have no help. Um, Okay. I'll try to be a a little more constructive. So I definitely relate to that uh, in many ways. And I think it's it's easy to – start working on something and you you get into a nice kind of pace of work. You feel like you're getting stuff done. And then you get to a point where you start encountering some friction and you're like, okay, well, I've, I put all this work into it. I'll kind of figure this out down the line. And it feels maybe in some ways justified to put it aside. Um, and I've definitely been there in all sorts of projects. <laughs> um, but I think, I think what the, why it's difficult to start it back up is because you've lost the momentum at that point. And it's difficult to regain that momentum once you've stopped for a certain amount of time. Um, yeah, what, what were you going to say on that? Well, I, I definitely agree. There are times where I hit friction and I need like my brain to think of an idea and how to get going again. But I'll often not even be hitting any friction. It's just like I get to the point of the project that I don't want to do anymore. And that's like, you know, sanding and putting finish on. Well, you know what? I'll just use it unsanded, not finished. You know what I mean? I'll just, I just go, I don't, okay, one coat of polyurethane, that's enough coats. I don't need to put four or five coats, right? Like, I, that's just, I, one coat's good. I'm good to go. Maybe two if I'm lucky. I'll never finish. I never, I can't do the, those last, the 10% that takes a project from like usable to done. And, yeah. But I, so that's just more, the hump I usually get, but I definitely get you on the, the, uh, loss of momentum. 
Go ahead. I, I think trying to work out why you've lost that momentum and what you can do to make it better. I, I think it, it's hard for me because when I say I do that a lot, for me, it's more something has stopped me. Um, so for instance, I'm working on this dog crate and I glued up the top and I've never really worked with like raw material in a sense of like I built, I bought sleepers to make the top and I didn't think about how wet they were. So I come out after a few days and this thing's turned into a potato chip. <laughs> Wait, um, it's turning into a what? <laughs> potato oh, chip. Oh, potato chip. Like, I think it's a potato yeah. chip. Also, when you say sleeper, do you mean like a railroad sleeper? Like a big beam? It's just a beam. We call them sleepers. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, I guess the term probably comes from like a railway sleeper because it looks like it. But um, anyway, so I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, yeah, this top is like screwed. What am I going to do? Like, I, I'm like, and I'm just, I'm at a standstill. I'm like, I can't finish this dog crate. And with my CNC coming, I'm going to be make, cutting out these cutting boards that I've talked about before. I built the, I bought this massive panel of acacia wood, but they sell them in other different woods. And I'm like, I'm just going to go buy one of these panels and just cut the top out of that. I can't be bothered to make a, gl- a new glue up. The panel's cheap enough that I'll make the money back by when I sell the dog crate. Like, and that's my that was my plan. I'm like, this is what's going to get me to finish this project and keep me moving. Yeah, and I think that's a good example of like external constraints being like really useful in a situation like that. Where it's like you don't you don't really have the luxury of being able to just be like oh well I guess I got to stop and think for a couple months and maybe never finish it like that thing has to get done yeah. so you'll you'll figure out a way to do it and we come across that like every single day at camp because we're dealing in like incredibly uh, unpredictable situations and at the end of the day if we're if we're planning these kind of like multi day session ending projects which we've been doing. Uh, so, for example, right now, the kids are working on these cities in the skies that we're going to suspend from the ceiling. And each one is themed around a biome of the earth. So they're making like these floating desert cities and these floating tropical rainforest cities and these floating Arctic tundra cities. And when we were designing them, you have a certain thing in your head. And then the kids go down a different fork in the road than the one you expected. But you can't tell the kids, no, that's not what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to do this. Like we want to build off their creativity. So we have to be constantly on the fly kind of adjusting to that and be like, okay, so how can we kind of adjust to this new reality and, and make this great, even though it's not what we kind of like initially imagined. Um, and I think in, in some ways, like with a lot of ways, I, th- I think it's important dealing with projects is, depersonalizing yourself from it and realizing that that original idea if things do start to go awry or or not as seamless as you would like isn't the most important thing in the world and there are multiple good solutions it sounds to me like compromise is the thing that i need to work on because i'm really like it's like i I don't want to do something i want to either do it the hundred percent best way. Amazing. Do it all the way. Like, I'm like perfect. Or I want to do it completely half-assed. And, <laughs> and I feel like I get to the point where I'm doing something and it's like going to be really nice. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I have the skill or the time to get it to that hundred percent amazing. So 
I'll just live with it how it is. Like I'm and that, afraid it sounds of- like, yeah, and it sounds like that's a bit of imposter syndrome as well. Like if you go down the rabbit hole of trying to make it really nice, then maybe part of you is thinking that you're not good enough to make it this beautiful fine woodworking piece or that maybe part of you thinks that like you don't deserve to make it really nice <laughs> not to get too yeah. therapist there. Yeah, I definitely, I feel de- there's definitely times where I go like, well, I don't, I don't need to do it cause I don't need it that nice, but, or I don't have the skill to take it to that level. Definitely. And it's, and I know that if I actually just, there, there's never been something that if I didn't put my mind to it, and try and do it and give myself the time and energy to dedicate to it that I couldn't do. Right. Like I know anything I put my mind to, I can do if I give myself enough time, but I often don't give myself any time. And then, you know, I guess I just, like you said, yeah, I like to like, I don't deserve because I didn't put in, I didn't give myself enough time. I don't deserve to have anything nice. But it sounds like with the bowler trailer that you are putting in the time it takes to make this thing really beautiful and nice. Like I've never seen you spend so much time and effort on like one single project and try to really get into like it a restored state. Well, I, I'm sure I talked about a lot, but I did a bicycle restoration project in the spring. Yeah. But this seems orders of magnitude more complicated and time intensive than that. Totally, it is, but it's on the same level where I took it to, the bicycle's not done. So, like, it's almost almost August, the bicycle's still not done. I started in the spring. Um, It's definitely one of those things that I just go, like, why haven't I finished this yet? All I have to do is the seat. It's like a small side project that I probably didn't even need to do, but I wanted to do so that the handlebars and the seat would match. And then I just went, uh... Uh, I don't know. Then I never finished it. It's just been sitting, you know, this, the seat, I took it apart. It's been sitting flattening out underneath my sewing machine as a weight, uh, ready for me to, to eventually make a pattern out of the pieces. And, but the bowlers getting to the same point. So the interior, I wanted to paint uh, the interior it had been painted before I bought it, but, I got to the point where I just went, I'm running out of time and I scrapped painting the interior. So it's not perfect. It's not hundred percent where I wanted it to be, but it's, uh, you know, it's something it's, you know, it looks 90% good. It's like, I've go, well, I, you know, I can always do it later. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like you need some stakes and I think you have them to a certain extent with the bowler in that, like, once you tell enough people that you're working on this project and you want to get it to a certain point, it makes it really difficult to just not put in the work. And I, I try to use that strategy sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have the motivation to do this thing. So I'm going to start telling some people so that it pushes me to try to get it done. I've always found that worked the opposite for me, but I totally get where you're going with. It's like quitting smoking. So it's like, I didn't tell anyone I was going to quit. Until they would ask me mm-hmm. like, Oh, Hey, I haven't seen you go out for a cigarette in like a couple of days. I'm like, yeah, I quit. Right. Cause I, every other time that I told people it really got on my nerves that they would ask me, it would make me want to smoke. Right. And if they saw me smoking, they'd say, Oh, you quit. I thought you quit. And so I was just like, 
ah, I'm not going to tell anyone this time. It was much easier. I don't know. If, if anything, I need like the opposite of that because I'm broken. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I, I think, understand that. It, sorry, going on. I, I think what you need to do is book a holiday for like two weeks from now where you need the caravan. And then I've already done you that. Fin- yeah, so it's, ar- it's already booked for the 16th, 14th, 19th, whatever. Halfway through August. What are we? The 9th to the 13th is already booked. And is so that's that only trip- a week away? Yeah. Is that trip you and your family or is it just you? Me and my family. So those are some stakes. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming yeah, Abby well, wants to live in something that's at least somewhat nice and finished. No, she lives in this house with me unfinished <laughs> all the time. Which the only thing it needs to be is rolling. And I'm on that. But the things that I don't have is like I don't I wanted to put build a box for the front to hide like the propane and the battery. Right. But yeah. I don't I don't currently have the wood for that because there's I got a deal on some white oak, but it hasn't arrived yet. And Buddy's saying like, "Oh, maybe, maybe the week of the ninth we can get together for it." I'm like, "Too late," uh, you know, stuff like that. And I just look at it and go, "I really wish that I, I don't know. I just feel like things sometimes don't line up." But I just push sometimes. Like I wanted to do a new countertop for it, and instead I just left it fiberglass because I said, "You know what? I don't have time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that." <laughs> if only, but, if only Home Depot sold the panels that Bunnings does. Yeah, but I, I, that's I wouldn't be. So this is one of those. I'm not willing to compromise there. Either I do it, and I do it with all my scrap wood, which is what I planned, or it doesn't get done. It actually sounds like you are compromising in a really healthy way with this trailer and it's making you uncomfortable because you don't have a lot of experience doing that. Like when you're talking about the elements that you don't have finished and comparing that with the pictures that I've seen, it sounds like it's in a really solid state and you're thinking about like putting the cherries, the cherries on top. But I feel like for 90% of people, when they see it, they're like, Oh, that looks really, really good. So I think when you say, 80 to 90% done, what you really mean is like 99% done. And Maybe. that's that's really good. And if you're saying like, what is 100%? Is 100% like this is a professionally redone trailer or is 100% like this is this is looks really good and it's in a usable state, but there's always more things I can add. I guess there's some, some projects I get to 90, some I get to 99. I don't think I ever get to 100. It's like it's at 99, but you want it at 110. Right. Even though 100 is where it should be, you want it at 110. You're yes. wanting to go that extra mile that's unnecessary. And I think maybe that's something that you should try and think about is what is important and needs to be to be done. Like, is one coat of varnish enough? Or do you need to add... Is it important to add more? Do you want to add more just to get that extra shine? But you can't be bothered, then don't do that. But if you have to do that to stop, like to make it more waterproof or whatever, then you need to do it. Yeah. I mean, I thinking back on my own projects, like it's hard to think of times where I've taken it, I guess, to 100%. Like, because you always have to stop at some point. And especially if, if I'm making a video about it, then I'm probably going to stop sooner than I would if it were for someone else or if it was an heirloom piece or whatever mm-hmm. else. Cause I, I, I want to get the video out and share this thing. Um, but 
I can't think that, or it doesn't really seem to me like stopping at 90% for those projects was a particularly bad thing. Um, there's, there's few things that I've made where I'm like, oh, I really wish I just spent more time on that and made it better. There's a couple, like, I won't say there's none. There's definitely times where like I finished a project and I'm not really happy with it. And I'm like, I know I should have just slowed down a little bit and taken more time with this, but now it's done and now I have to move on. That's true. It, and I do find that happens a lot too, where it's like in the moment, I'm like, screw it. Let's just go. And then afterwards, I go, well, why, why did I do that? I spent like, there's a couple spots in the trailer where there's some runs. No one else is ever going to notice them and I don't care. But I just, I was trying to do things too fast because it was like, you know, I was just sweating my ass off. Right. And I was just like, I just want this to be over. Like I'm wearing a mask, I'm sweating and, you know. The, it's just super hot and I just want to be done. So I kind of, you know, you cut corners at the time and then if you wish you could go back in time and redo it, but I don't know if that has nothing to do. That's a tangent. Let's get back on topic here. How show host, what are you doing? Why are you taking them on tangents? I don't know. Um, but just, just, sorry, just, I want to explore that tangent a little bit because I think it's really interesting. <laughs> and I think that speaks to like the power that your environment has when you're making and, and it dovetails very well into like getting things to 80 or 90% done. Because if you're working in a comfortable environment with like good lighting and at a comfortable temperature, you're so much more likely to get it to a solid state. Like I can't tell you how many times that I just haven't gotten something to the place that I've wanted it to be because I couldn't see it very well mm. or I wasn't working in a comfortable spot. I'm like, oh no, this is f-. like, I, I literally couldn't see the imperfections that I was trying to, you know, get rid of. And then by the time you get into good lighting, you're like, well, I'm already on to the next step. And so then that's another thing altogether that I think helps with getting things to a more like 95, 100% state is like taking the time to get a good setup. As Adam Savage would say, addressing your work. You know what? I think that, I think you made a really great point on why I get this far and then kind of go, yeah, is because I look back at all the other the cumulative problems that I've had along the way, I look at them and go, well, if it's already like there's some runs in the paint, so then uh, screw it. It doesn't matter. And there's like, I didn't bother doing this thing. So you know what? You know what? We're good at 90 because it's not perfect. So I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to put that last little effort in because it doesn't matter because there's so many screw ups somewhere like along the way. I think that's. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Hmm. Like, you, I can't. There's no way for me to make it to 100. It's already screwed up over here, right? It's like in school when you're like doing really good in a course, and you're. I often in high school there was times where I was going to go for 100 in that grade, uh, or that that class, but then you get one bad test. What do you? You know, a 90 instead of 100. And now all of a sudden you're like, well, why should I even bother? I can't get a hundred. The, the goal is unreachable now. Yeah. But I mean, it's also because you, you're creating a, let's take the mm-hmm. school test out of the equation, but like in the more making side of things, it's, you're making an unreachable goal if you're reaching for perfection. Yeah. And so of course, like you're always going to have mistakes along the way, but I think you also have to be like, okay, well that mistake has happened but now we got to focus on this other part of it. 
Um, because also like the final product will be a combination of all of the errors and successes. And so it's going to look even worse if you accept, if you're like, Oh, well, this is the quality that I'm going with now. And so I think it's you at a certain point, you got to just kind of like forget that last thing you did and move on to the next one. I, I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I feel like I'm I'm being very like you should do this and like coming off like I do all these things which I don't <laughs> by any extent I struggle with the same sort of things for sure I'm just responding my, in the ways that I think makes sense. My problem is that I'm I'm dodgy like I'll I will happily just cover up that first mistake and pretend it never happened. And well, what, that's, what's what's wrong with that? Because I won't fix it the correct way. Hmm. <laughs> You know, like I'll just, I'll just make it look good from the outside that no one knows what's actually happening and then just continue on like it never happened. But I think that's okay. I think that's like, what do they say? Like a good woodworker just knows how to hide his mistakes better. Yeah, true. Right. Like, I think as long as you make it in a way, like I get, there's some times where you go, you know what? It'd probably be better if I just restarted from scratch. Yeah. Right. And that, that conversation always comes depending on how big the mistake is. But one of the things I like about wood is like, oops, I broke it. Well, I'll throw some glue on it, put it back together. I say with like metal. Oh, oops. I, I broke it. Well, I weld it back together. Right. There's some things where you can't do that. Yeah. True. I, um, I feel like I had something to say. Oh yeah. I, I feel like a lot of it also comes down to whether I'm recording or not as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, so this potato chip, I'm like, if this was just something I was just making to sell or like for, for myself, I'd probably just make it work. But being that it's for video, I need it to look pretty much like good on camera. And I could not have made it look good on camera with the way that it potato chipped. Whereas, like, off-camera, I could probably just, like, somehow screw it together where it would stretch it, like, where it would bend it to where it needs to be. It's interesting, because I think I'm, like, the opposite. Where if I were doing it for camera, it would I would be more likely to, I don't know, maybe not. But, so I was making a little <laughs> stovetop thing, like a cover for the stovetop. And I made a perfectly square, perfectly beautiful stovetop cover. I placed it on the thing, and the stove isn't square on the countertop. I didn't look at it beforehand. I just measured it and made a thing to cover it. So then yeah. my stovetop's all crooked. So I cut it to – I cut it to a new square – setting where the underneath is crooked but the top is square and uh i wasn't filming any of that and i think if i was filming it i would have just started from the beginning again yeah where see if i wasn't filming i would have just been happy with the beginning with Hmm. the first one and just be like oh well the stove isn't square but it works yeah it's not perfect but but it does the job and that's why I've, I've said this before in the podcast. Like, it's one of the reasons I like recording videos of the stuff that I make is I think it gives me a better end product than if I didn't record it. Yeah, it's very helpful in that way. I'll, I'll I will say that for sure. Yeah, it makes me perform. 
In oh, saying I mean, that, though, like yep, making things not correct is, is going to be good for the algorithm because <laughs> you'll get people having a go at you in the comments and that that's what YouTube likes is engagement. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't, nobody knows what YouTube likes anymore. So we won't get into a whole, if yeah, you want to hear a G rant about why, like how YouTube is the worst thing in the world at figuring out what I like, we can go on that again. <laughs> you know, I think w- one thing we keep coming back to is uh, like striving for some sort of perfection. And it's very easy to get caught up in that when you're working on your own stuff and you're looking at really beautiful things on the internet or at least seemingly so. But I mean, if you ever need a little bit of confidence boost, just like walk around city street construction sites, look at houses and just all of the shoddy worksmanship that you'll see (laughs) everywhere. Just try try to hang a picture frame and measure off the roof and then then (laughs) level it. Like – yeah. I cannot believe how far out construction is. Like it is amazing how dodgy construction is. Yeah. Yeah. Or or just uh, you know, mid-range furniture as well. Like I mean, I'll say for sure like I mean if you want to feel not so great about your work, look at really nice furniture because it is mere miraculous the tolerances they are able to achieve with a natural material. But, you know, when you start looking at like slightly cheaper things or not so professional, you know, like humans are human. And it's, it's actually funny, like, um, in, in working at camp, especially when kids are working on their own projects, you have to watch out or we have to watch out for times to like teach them lessons, life lessons and making lessons and such. And I was helping this girl today on the drill press, like drill some holes and whatever she was making. I have no idea what it was, but she was like, I want a hole here and here. And we drilled them and she was like, oh, it has to be lined up like perfectly. She was really adamant about it being like perfectly lined up and it was very well lined up, but it wasn't quite perfect. And I had to be like, not like get frustrated, but just be like, you know, like it's not perfect, but that's okay. You know, like the things you make are not going to be perfect, but that doesn't mean that it's not good. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an important lesson to learn. <laughs> it reminds me of making stuff with my dad growing up and I would get, so frustrated with how imperfect he would make things. And because in my mind, it was like this little girl that you're talking about needed to be perfect, right? This hole needed to be drilled exactly here. Not, you know, not an eighth of an inch, not a 16th of an inch difference. Like, especially you're drilling two different holes and needs to be perfectly symmetrical. And like, obviously my dad, you know, using his shopsmith isn't, a fine woodworker. He builds nice furniture. There's something he made in high school. For those listening, you can see a little coffee table he made in high school behind me. Um, it looks great. But uh, when I, you know, he built me this airplane, I just remember like being so frustrated with how he was building it because I didn't even, I didn't even understand how it worked in my mind. Things went together completely different than how he was building it, and things weren't perfect and lined up perfectly and it like i still have the airplane today um and now fletcher plays with it but it it didn't need to be perfect it's a little it's a little kid's toy you know what i mean and i think a part of this like thing what i need to get over is i need to figure out what's the use for this right what what am i using this for is this a workbench okay it does it's going to get banged up so don't worry about it 
is this a you know a, a picture frame that I'm selling to someone? Well, that's you know I want that to be a little bit nicer. That's a picture frame is supposed to be nice, right? Like it's supposed to highlight the stuff. It needs to be done oh. well. Mm. Right. So I think I need to think about what's the use case, like uh, the camper. I'm going to be going into the woods. It's going to get all scratched up, right? Like I'm going to drive through some narrow place, you know, and it's going to look like crap. So who cares that it's got some runs in the paint, right? Get out there and go camping. Hmm. Personal use versus like selling it to someone is definitely a big difference. Like you're saying, like it. Yeah. Like you don't care about the couple of runs like as for yourself. But if you were doing that as a restoration for someone else, like they're going to see that and judge your workmanship and not be happy with it. Of course, you're going to want to make it perfect. Well, you would say that, but I got my Corvette. uh, Somebody drove into my Corvette back in the day and I took it to this place. And I I specifically went to this place. I had a Corvette, whatever. (laughs) But I went to this place because they had – in their parking lot, they had like a Ferrari and a Bentley, right? So I went like, like these were the cars they were working on. So I went, I'm going to go to this place. It seems like a very great place to take my car. It just needed the door repainted. And this was somebody who was like, actually, you know, backed into my car and then uh, actually stuck around and wrote a note and then whatever. They wanted to pay for it. I got the car back and I didn't, I looked at it, it looked great, Right. Two days later, I looked at it and I found the the paint was running right on this. Like it was a professional car dealership that was dealing with like, you know, high end cars in their parking lot. So I thought, you know, this is the type of place I want to take my car. And guess what? Even professionals do shit jobs sometimes. Yep. But I get what you're saying. You know, you as a person are more accepting of garbage for yourself than. You know, I think maybe that's part of the reason why I don't like selling things is because I don't like taking, I'm never quite happy with how far, like how things turn out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's definitely like when I was doing the, I did the van and the, and the drawers for the, for the Land Cruiser. That's when I decided that I don't want to get into that commission work because I just kept judging myself on how it worked. And if it wasn't perfect, I wasn't happy with giving it to them and it was just so stressful. It was too much stress that I just did not want to deal with and that's when I decided I don't want to do commission work. In saying that, I've now bought a CNC and plan on making a business. But Right. But I mean it's also about finding the work that you're you're comfortable delivering. Yeah. And that you don't that you feel like is is getting into acceptable levels within your capabilities. Like, you know, with a CNC and your woodworking skills, I'm sure you could make a cutting board that you'd be happy to sell and Oh, like definitely. when I was doing a, a bit more leatherworking sales, it was at least pretty clear to me and the people who were buying my stuff, like this isn't, you know, this isn't the, the leatherwork you're going to go to the Gucci store and every stitch is going to be perfectly lined up and everything else. Like it has a handmade quality to it and they're not necessarily buying it for the reason that it is so perfect. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That was an obvious statement. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Well, I think on that note and the fact that for some reason when I opened my beer, it immediately turned to ice, uh, it's time what? for us to go into clamp mandations. I love that science. 
you opened it it was liquid and then the whole thing immediately turned to ice yeah well like it's Haven't all seen that like before? it's like a slushy now so oh. if you get if you get if you get a liquid past its freezing point where it hasn't frozen yet as soon as you it um irritate that yeah, agitate it. It will freeze. You look up on, on um, YouTube, there are so many videos of people getting like yeah. a bottle of water or Coke and they'll tip it into a cup and you can literally make like a 3D model as it turns into ice as it lands in the cup. Um, yeah. Also, somewhere it's- along the point, we changed hosts. So I think we should move on to clear recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did the intro and then Grant somehow took over. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, nah, it's all good. Clementations. All right. So my Clementation for this week, after I steal the hosting duties, is uh, James from Fix It Fingers. He put out a video. He's doing a challenge right now, a jig challenge. Um, I think it's going to be too late by the time this gets out for you to enter. I think it's at the end of the month, but I might be wrong. Anyways, you go yeah, check the it out. Yeah, the end of the month. Okay, but anyways, he put out a recent video where he showed uh, five different jigs um, that he made, and he compared them with uh, well, most of the jigs, so jigs that he could compare with uh, like whole, uh, store-bought versions of the same jig. And I just thought it was a really good video to show, like, you don't need to go out and buy the Craig Crosscut jig. You can make one yourself. And he showed, and he explained why he likes his homemade ones versus his bought ones. And some of them, he likes the bought one better than the homemade one. But I just thought it was a really good, like, with a circular saw, he's able to replicate almost everything that a uh, miter uh, table saw can do, including thin strips, uh, like doing thin strip ripping and stuff like that. So if all you have is a circular saw, morally. And you need to make thin strips of wood, uh, then you don't need a table saw. You can make one of the jigs that uh, that Mister Fixit Fingers did. Mm, so go check that, that might out. Be pretty useful. I might go check that out. Yeah, I want to point out that it was a competition to make a jig, and he puts out a video making five. Well, it was. He's <laughs> not in the. He's not in the running. No, no. I I put my um, my table saw fence up as a jig because mm. I put it in the group. So anyone who doesn't know, James actually has a group on Facebook of Australian makers, and um, I put up there asking like, do people think this is a jig? And they said yes. So I put it in. Anyway, my rec- my clampmendation for this week is a guy called Matt Cutshall Cutshall on um, on YouTube, and he has this brand called emos not dead and every one of his videos is called felt emo might delete or felt emo again might delete and i just find him so funny like i i love the like the punk scene and all that sort of stuff so every video is a song that he's written and it starts off with like something dramatic happens with his wife like she drops his mug and then he just like makes a song like weeping over this mug but it's really emo <laughs> and yeah it's really funny oh, nice cool. i love comedy yeah. so i might have to go check that out but then youtube will think that's all i want to see <laughs> and 
Do, um, what do you got to lose? Your recommendations are private, garbage. Do a private window. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this week, I wanted to recommend a show that I very much enjoyed when I watched it. Uh, it's called Maniac. It is a mini series on Netflix. Uh, it stars Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. It's only one season long, but it's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's this kind it. of like, yeah, it's this kind of like cyberpunk, dark comedy drama thing, essentially about uh, these two people in a cyberpunk sort of like near future world. Uh, they enter a psychological trial put on by this very strange pharmaceutical company. Uh, their consciousness gets sort of linked and they go through this kind of whole journey together. It, it reminds me in some ways of like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and just in the concept. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty different though in every other way, but it's really cool. And I've, I feel like I brought it up to a bunch of people and not, not as many people as I would have expect watched it but I would really recommend it. It's, it's really, it's really imaginative. Like I, I won't say it's like one of the best shows ever, but I think th- th- they recognized they had a cool concept and they took it to its full potential. Uh, so check it out. It's maniac. I it probably should still be on Netflix, even though it's a couple of years old at this point. I love Jonah Hill. And every time you've suggested a TV show, I tend to fall in love with it. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to review. Yes, we have a review this week. Uh, anyone who doesn't know, if you leave us a review, Molly will read it out in your accent. So I'm excited because we haven't had one for a while. Molly, All right. Take it away. This review is called, sorry, I just clapped right in front of the microphone. Uh, <laughs> that's what compressors are for, ladies and gentlemen. Uh This review is a five-star review. Thank you very much. And it's called Get Out of My Brain, Grant. Um, I was going to go write a review so Morley could read it and make a silly joke about clams. And then Grant goes and mentions it from Dave Bauer Art via Apple Podcasts. Now, Dave is from the same neck of the woods that I am from. And so to me, he doesn't sound like he has any sort of discernible (laughs) accent. So sorry dave and other listeners i don't really know what to do with that other than read it in relatively normal voice we could have we could have picked another dave you could have read it as little dicky well yeah, he dave, a bit whoever of writes the review i don't know whoever writes the review needs to put it that yeah. the accent they want or else morley guesses what you sound like yes unless yeah. he knows anyway unless he knows. um yes. I want to say thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast and especially those that support us. Uh, If you don't know, we have a Patreon where you can support us. You get access to the pre-show, after show, and also get a keychain from our one and only Molly. They're really cool of the keychain. They are so exclusive that Grant and I don't even have one. I'm sure Molly's made one for himself. I don't. (laughs) Um, and yeah, th- thank you to everyone that supports us on Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash clamp. And I think that's about it. Thank you to TF Turning for the theme music. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under Clampcast. On YouTube, search Clamp Adam Molly Grant. 
and you find us there and we need to get to 100 subscribers so we can get our custom url so really appreciate that if you don't want to support us on patreon uh even just sharing the show or like telling someone to listen to the show is is really great leaving a review is huge as well apparently and the analytics just love reviews so yeah and we'll see you next time see you where, where can everyone find us i did all that what i'm i'm the one yeah, that's four did. beers down and drunk and you're the one that can't listen well i'm six beers down. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. goodbye see bye Is there a difference? I don't know what the first word you said is. Pikelets. They're like mini pancakes. No idea. You don't know what a pikelet no is? Wait, 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 wait. Is this an Adam's word of the week? I think you so. You don't know yeah. what a pikelet is? What? How That's do you even spell that? that? Okay, I don't the, know what a hot cake is either, so. Hot cake is what Mac is sold as a pancake. So pikelet is P I K E L E T S. P-I-K-L-E-T-S? E-L-E-T. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. It looks like a mini pancake. Exactly. So if you were to go to Macca's, like your Macca's sell hotcakes, like pancakes, right? Uh, Yeah, I think so, yeah. So think of that, but it's like, I don't know, a third of the size. It's like a mini pancake that literally looks exactly the same.